listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, the marketing community is all a Twitter about X. So I guess we need to talk about it. <laughs> I, I really planned that intro, by the way. Oh my gosh. I was pretty proud of that one. It, that was it, not written. That was be. not that written. Was, that was a good one. We're, yes, all a Twitter about X, as they should be. Boy, this is- Or should I say they're one. all X about Twitter? Yeah, gosh. <laughs> I mean, with all the problems in the world, the focus that has been put on this has been interesting, hasn't it? Well, my favorite headline I saw was how the, the do you hear about the sign, by the way? Yes, I heard about the sign. So there's this yeah, big news story about them putting this giant electronic sign on top of the building and the inspectors coming to take it down and saying it was never authorized in the first place. And that, But the best part in the, in the article was how they said that the inspector said technically they needed a permit to take it down, but they would waive that since they never got a permit to put it up. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Well, they also had problems taking down the old Twitter sign because they started taking the Twitter letters off the corner of the building there and people were complaining that they were blocking the sidewalk and and everything. Well, I read the opposite, that they did it without any, they didn't like port it off at all. So people could just walk through and get maybe a letter drop on them. I don't know, but I don't know what actually happened. But Life in San Francisco. There um, you go. Having been through those experiences with rebrands and, and signage and permits yeah. and, and all of that stuff, it is a labyrinth of regulations and, and things that you think should be simple just are not. So I, I feel Elon Musk X's pain. <laughs> Well, let's let's jump into this thing. So, so yeah, obviously the topic of the day is the rebranding of Twitter as X. All right. So, what's going on? In case you haven't heard, I'll give a quick synopsis. Elon Musk, of course, bought Twitter last October, I believe it was. Spent forty-four billion dollars in the acquisition. Took the company private, and most recently, in the last couple of weeks, has rebranded it from Twitter to X. Twitter is now X. Tweets are now X's. I assume retweets are re-X's, although I'm not entirely sure. And my understanding is that the vision is, for at least as well, because it can be discerned. I'm not aware. I could be wrong, but I don't know that Musk has like specifically said, hey, this is where we're going with this thing. But maybe I'm wrong about that. But is that is to transform now X into a super app, sort of the one app to rule them all, use it for everything. So not just being a, you know, right now what it's historically been, a 140 character broadcast to being your app for, you know, one-on-one messaging, your app for shopping, your app for finance, your app for investing, your app for banking, your app for everything. So I would call that a WeChat of the West, right? Because WeChat is essentially that in China, right? So I guess the essential question of the day, and every marketing pundits everywhere are chiming in on this, good choice, bad choice. Is that, Does this brand make sense? Should they have done this? Did they make a good decision? Did they make a bad decision? What do we think? So I don't know, where do you want to start? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a good one, man. This is a good one. I like it. Oh, I like the topic. <laughs> I don't know about the brand. We'll talk about that. I'll let you go first. All right. So I guess, you know, before I actually talk about my thoughts on the rebrand, I guess one of the things that for me was interesting, I started kind of like tracing what's going on here and trying to figure out what is he doing? Because my first thought was like, if your vision was to 
turn Twitter into something else, make it X and make it a super app, why did you even need Twitter in the first place? Because you think about why do you buy a company? And I came up with like, seems to me there's like four or five like big reasons that you go through a major acquisition. You know, one would be you want to access the talent. So you want access to a talent pool that you don't have. Well, I don't think that's what he wanted because he jettisoned everybody after he bought it, right? He laid off 70% of the staff. One would be that you want the brand. You feel like the brand has merit and value and, and you want that brand for a variety of different reasons. Remember when I was in business school, we had the Ford execs come in and talk about their acquisition of Jaguar. And at the end of the day, there was no financial model that made that acquisition make any sense. They just wanted the brand. It was that simple. We just wanted the brand. And then obviously not that because he just threw the brand out the window. So the third is like intellectual property. So, you know, in this case, technology, methodology, you know, insight on how to run a social media company. Maybe it seems like maybe that's something he was buying. Fourth big thing is access to a customer base, right? So I did the math on this out of curiosity. So he spent $44 billion on the acquisition. Twitter roughly has 400 million users. So essentially they're paying $110 a user. So basically, if, if the whole acquisition existed because he figured, well, I want to build this super app and Twitter has 400 million users, let me just go grab their 400 million users. I can do that. You know, could he have built this from scratch? Well, based on what he spent, he would have been able to had to do it for 110 bucks a user, which huh, maybe that was a bargain. So anyway, you know, I thought it was interesting to look, kind of look through that because it kind of brought me to this vision of like, well, it's like, okay, if he didn't care about the brand, all he really wanted was the customer base, then that gives you a better sense of why the rebrand might make sense. Cause maybe he figures the brand has no real value or it doesn't have value for what he wants to do with it, with the organization, but he wanted the customer base and they had the customer base and he could buy it. He thought relatively reasonable. I don't know. So that was, that was kind of my initial thought. And then I started thinking about the brand itself. So let me pause on that and let you kind of chime in before we kind of go into the rebrand itself and kind of what my initial thoughts are on it. That was a good summation. That was a good summation. Again, <laughs> Sometimes I, I wonder like, if it really is or you're just blowing smoke. I thought that was a, a good analysis. I like that you got to your last point about acquiring the customer base. I don't know what Elon Musk is doing, but when you think about it, that makes the most sense to me. Right. It's it's a jump start in that direction, but who knows what goes on in the, the head of Elon Musk. But the question that I think people need to ask is why and when do you rebrand? Yeah. Right. Not that you do, but why and when? And my opinion as a marketer is you rebrand at strategic inflection points where the business that was will no longer be, that you're aspiring to to something new. That's the decision point. It's not one that's taken lightly because you have brand equity of some kind. I, I saw a number from Fortune that Fortune said that Musk threw away, I don't know, somewhere between five to $20 billion worth of, of brand equity. I'm not sure if I agree with that and how they came up with that calculation, but that's a big chunk to, to throw out. It's about 10% of his net worth. And, you know, add that on top of what he overpaid for, for that, yeah. you know, you're talking about real money. But the question is, what's the strategic inflection point? And in my mind, he's at that point where he's about to announce or move in that direction. He said all along that there's two reasons he's he's bought this. 
platform. One is to build the everything app. And yeah. two is because he believes in free speech and believes that Twitter is the public square and wants to free up the dialogue in the nation. So how do you monetize that? Well, I guess we're going to find out. But in his mind, Twitter probably had too much negativity holding it back vis-a-vis his, his vision of where it was going. Yeah, I, I think if you go on the side of this is a good decision and a good move, I think you conclude that I did. So I kind of brainstormed this a little bit. I could see it being very realistic for him to sit there and say, yeah, Twitter's got a ton of brand equity, but Twitter is seen as sort of like this broadcast platform where you can kind of say anything you want in 140 characters. But then, of course, it got sort of some negative connotations because of its content moderation issues that kind of put it in the midst of the culture wars, right? But if you want a, a super app where I'm going to have you know, private messaging conversations and, and, and really contract, you know, do financial interactions, it does seem like, well, would I want to do that in a, in a brand that's predicated on open broadcast? Maybe not, right? So I could see him saying, well, the, the brand, yes, it's got a ton of equity for what it is, but for what I want it to be, it actually has some limitations. And so it needs to be broader and different than what it was. On the flip of it, I guess that, you know, I, I think most brand people that I've kind of heard talk about this are kind of chalking it up as one of the worst brand decisions of all time, basically because of the, the sort of the ubiquitous global brand awareness of Twitter, right? I mean, it's like, and the notion that it's a verb, you know, and so it's like part of culture, right? Tweeting and is similar to Googling or Ubering. It's part of people's daily lives. Honestly, I could see at the end of this, I could see this going either way. I don't particularly like the X, the brand that I've seen, the identity. I, I find it to be very stale and flat and lifeless and not at all inspiring or exciting or not at all a brand that I would entrust with a broader part of my life. But I can't say that, you know, if they ruled out a, a finance tool for Twitter last week, I would have been on board with that either. Right. So I, I don't know that I can say one way or another, whether it's a good decision or a bad decision for that reason. I agree with everything you said that I think clearly he sees this company as being at a strategic inflection point and what he wants this company to look like is nothing like where it's been. And so if you're going to do a rebrand, this would be the time to do a rebrand. Is it the right one? I'm not entirely sure. I think it's sort of too soon to tell. For me, I, I went back to, by the way, I went back to, do you remember the, the AT&T acquisition of Singular like 20 years ago? You remember that? So listeners that are younger won't probably ever have heard of Singular, but at the time, Singular was this hot wireless brand that was you know doing, this was before smartphones, so, so a mobile brand back when people had landlines and mobile, mobile phones. And AT&T buys Singular, and everybody assumes that AT&T is going to turn in itself into Singular, because Singular was this hot brand, real kind of edgy, fun, orange color palettes, kind of felt hip, modern, young. And AT&T, like, within about six months, just shut it down and folded the whole thing into AT&T. And all the marketers in the world kind of were hair on fire saying this was a terrible decision. AT&T is old and stodgy and Singular is hot and yet and fresh. AT&T was way smarter than all of them. They, they knew that they had tons of equity built up on the AT&T brand over decades. And Singular had just kind of popped up out of nowhere and it had no awareness or, or relevance beyond a very small narrow subset. So part of me thinks that all the you know people that are kind of lambasting him right now or having that gut check reaction that everybody had around that on that type of situation where it's like you know and it's just too soon i think it's too soon to know honestly you're listening to rattle and pedal 
divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, Principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. I think you're absolutely right. It, it makes me laugh. It, it, it just <laughs> makes me, me laugh. And this, again, th- this is why I call my firm Prudent Pedal, is so many agencies come with these overwrought opinions on things like creative that they get their undies in a bundle over just the silliest things, right? But they they share them as if they're gospel and a fait accompli. Fact. And it's yeah. just it's just silly. I think this is an excellent example of this. You can look at Twitter and it is an incredible brand. I love the Twitter brand. I love the bird, the tweets, you know, it's built into our vernacular, right? But that didn't happen out of the gate. It evolved. Its users, you know, contributed to that brand and made it what it is. And yes, it's a great brand, but it, it's not the only brand. And to think, oh my gosh, how could you jettison that? I just don't get that thinking. I can think of a hundred reasons to jettison the brand, not the least of which is you have the richest man in the world say, I want this company to be mine, right? Which it is, right? Twitter would always be somebody else. So, I mean, just jettisoning all that kind of history, there's some value in that, in my opinion. And I think, and I've seen this time and time and time and time again, every time you do a rebrand, you piss off 50% or more of the people that had an affiliation with the brand. You never please anybody. It's always a stupid name, stupid logo. I hate the colors. I whatever. And that's what's happening right here. But X is not the brand. Elon Musk is the brand. And that's the distinction in my opinion here. And Elon Musk has just as much brand awareness (laughs) as Twitter did. Maybe even more, honestly. That's an interesting point. And is that, you know, it's about him. You know, my initial thought, honestly, was that I thought like in the short term, it sure looks like a bad decision because you kind of go, man, you're just flushing away all of this. You know, on the other hand, I think the interesting thing about Musk in general and, and his companies in general is that usually they've been successful because they're outsiders, you know, where he's been successful is because he's an outsider. And so, because one of the criticisms I've seen of this whole deal, you know, him buying Twitter in the first place and what he's doing with the brand is what does this guy know about media? He doesn't know anything about social media. He knows nothing about what this industry he's getting into. He didn't know anything about rockets. He didn't know anything about cars, you know? And so, you know, it might be that if a super app is going to, to actually occur, maybe it does require somebody that has nothing to do with the current manifestation of social media and the app world to come in and make it happen. I don't know. I have no idea. You know, you could also took it, look at some of his other ventures and, and make it have an opposite st- statement, right? Because he, he's like anybody, any great entrepreneur. He's certainly had as many failures as he's had successes. I think it's going to be interesting over time. I do. I do think the brand rollout has been pretty bad. I don't think the, the brand identity is particularly strong at all. I think it's sort of visually stale. And I think it was pretty 
comically bad how they rolled it out because they rolled it out and thing is now called X, but man, I go on my phone and for like a week and a half, I can't, Twitter is the app with the bird on it. And, you know, so it's like, it's like, it was just a clunky, slow rollout. Didn't feel like they were on top of it. It felt rushed to me based on that. But that's all going to be forgotten, right? Like, I mean, you, you go out six months, is anybody going to care? Are anybody going to remember? No one's going to remember that. So I don't think it'll make a hill of beans in the end. That's a great point. People won't remember this. And having gone through so many rebrands and dotting every I and crossing every T, you know, branding cards, stationery, website, tchotchkes, proposals, I mean, just all of that stuff, you do that inventory signage, you roll, you roll all this out and you want it to be flawless on day one. It just never, never is. is. And people need to understand that X, Twitter, is really operating on a skeleton crew to a large degree. It's cash flow negative. So it didn't have, I think, the resources for, you know, that traditional kind of perfect brand launch. And to me, the the imperfection is so consistent with the Musk brand. It's be in action, start, learn, you know, from first principles and just start executing, refining, getting better and better and better. And failure is a way to learn and it's embraced. So to me, the the X rollout to a large degree was perfectly on brand for an Elon Musk company. It makes perfect sense. And so much, I would argue I could be wrong here, so much of the negative feedback on this, some is legitimate from branding experts. I get that. But I believe a lot of the negative feedback is tainted by politics and people that have a different perspective than Elon Musk and don't like Elon Musk, don't like his point of view, don't like his behavior, whatever the case may be. And they're mixing that all up into this analysis, which may be fair. Like I said, this is the Elon Musk brand, not the Twitter slash X brand. And I think that's an important distinction because he has this obsession with the letter X, right? Yeah. Right. SpaceX, Model X. He wanted to rename PayPal X. I think there's there's some downsides to this brand, but I think there's there's going to be more upside to it. It's going to be interesting over time to kind of just see. I, I don't. I, I, at the end of the day, I, if I'm fully honest, I don't think that the brand necessarily is going to be what makes or breaks his ability to transform this messaging platform into a, a super app. It's going to be more about the technology and what can he actually bring that would make anybody want to go into a one app to rule them all landscape. Why would I ever want to do that right now? You have to give me some a, a much better value proposition than what I have right now. And I just think the road to that is much longer and much harder than what you call the thing. You know, I think if this ends up being one of the greatest business success stories of all time, we'll look back on the brand and that won't be a big decision or a big influencer in what did or didn't happen. If it's a failure, it will definitely be panned as a big part of the failure, right? But that probably won't be 
the only cause for the failure. It may even be a minor footnote in the, in the cause for the failure. It's going to be interesting. It's one of those things. It's going to take some years to see where it ends up, but I'm, I'm curious to see where it all ends up because it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff. So the lessons for people to take away here, if you're going to rebrand, do it as strategic inflection point where the business that is, is not the business it's going to be. Don't rebrand because you feel like it or you don't like the old brand. <laughs> so that's number one. Number two. Uh, number two is the brand is just the face of something much deeper beneath it, i.e. your culture, your operating model, your vision, and all that stuff. A name and a tagline in colors do not make a company. It's an attitude. And to your point, it's a value proposition that's distinct. If you keep those things in mind, no matter what the noise is around you, your rebrand, if it's needed, will be successful. Yeah. On your lesson one, I would add also understand, maybe this is a zero, the difference between like a rebrand and just refreshing your brand identity and your brand identity systems. You know, when you're talking about literally throwing away a name and coming up with a new one and completely recasting the look and feel of everything, that is a full-on rebrand where you're throwing away the old in favor of something new. Often what you're really doing when, when branding comes up in the, in the language of professional services, more frequently it's a refresh. It's like, you know what? Things are looking a little stale. We need to visually update things. That doesn't require a strategic inflection point. Sometimes that just requires a recognition that we're looking a little stale. And if we're going to stay contemporary and current, we need to kind of like lift up the, the, the external comms a little bit. Those are two different things. And so be, be clear what you're doing when you go into this, because one, there are much different business reasons for each of those two things. And there's much different implications in terms of costs and everything else. So uh, I would add that as a third lesson, kind of like a lesson zero. Well, I guess in the end, as you pointed out so timely, that time will tell as to whether or not this is a good decision or a bad decision. My gut says that it may be too soon to tell. Anyway. I think time will prove it was brilliant. Really? Really? I think so. And I'll go out on the limb, like I said, but it will be the Musk halo effect. And there'll be people that will say it was brilliant and there'll be detractors. Now it's just, uh, is there more of the first group or more of the second? Well, then I'm going to leave a prediction as well. My prediction is that this is going to go the way of the boring company, which is that it's going to implode significantly over time. And it's not necessarily have anything to do with the brand, but I just, the vision of a everything app, a super app, I just am not convinced that that's going to fly. I think that this fails in product, not in brand, but that's my, that's my belief. You ever a fan of Johnny Carson? Oh yeah. Love Johnny Carson. You remember the character he used to be where he had the crazy hat and put the envelope up. <laughs> yes, <into> yes. That. <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> oh, that's what you look like. I, I think uh, when we post this episode, we'll have to Photoshop a, a picture of you. Was I don't know. Is that a Swami hat or what? Yeah, what was it? Yeah. He, he had a name for that character, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'll see you on X. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. 
Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.